Skyline second grader, Kylan Harmon, did not arrive home from school today. Kyron Richard Harmon disappeared from Skyline Elementary School in Portland, Oregon on June 4, 2010, after attending a science fair in which he took part in. Later in the day, his family receives the call that you just heard, and Kyron hasn't been seen since. The last person to see Kyron was his stepmom, Terry. His disappearance sparked the largest criminal investigation in Oregon history. I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. Kyron Horman was born September 9, 2002, to Kane and Desiree Horman. The young couple in Portland, Oregon were already on the rocks when they found out they were expecting a child. They tried to make the marriage work, but ultimately decided to separate, and divorced when Desiree was eight months pregnant. They co-parented Kyron for a while, until Desiree became so ill she was forced to move away to receive medical treatments. She was racking up huge medical bills and was unable to care for Kyron the way he needed so full custody was granted to Kane. Desiree would eventually be able to move back to Oregon, although she would be a few hours outside of Portland, living with family. Kane and Desiree would both eventually remarry. Desiree remarried a police investigator named Tony Young, and Kane would go on to marry a woman named Terry Moulton, a woman he had a previous relationship with. Terry and Kane were old friends, and originally Terry had moved in with Kane in a live-in nanny type situation. Kane is an engineer with Intel and apparently worked long hours, and their arrangement then blossomed into a romantic relationship, and in 2007, the couple married. Terry had an older son from a previous relationship, and the couple would go on to have a daughter together, Kiera. According to people who knew the families, they all seemed cordial. One article even said they met weekly at a restaurant in Springfield, so Kyron could go stay with Desiree and her husband, and Terry's son went to stay with his father. The group seemed copacetic. Kyron lived with his blended family, most of the time in the suburb of Portland surrounded by Forest Park Conservatory. Forest Park is a 5,200-acre urban forest and one of the largest in the U.S. This forest surrounds the school Kyron would last be seen at. June 4th, 2010. It was almost the end of the school year when Terry, along with baby Kiara, and Kyron attended the science fair at Skyline Elementary School. Kyron had a project to showcase in the science fair. He had done research on red-eyed tree frogs, and in the last photo ever taken of him, he stood proudly in front of the display board that he had constructed about them. Terry snapped the photo in the school's multi-purpose room where the projects were being displayed. She claimed she then lingered in the area for a while, looking through the other projects with Kyron. Then around 8.45, Terry said she walked Kyron to the second floor and stood at the end of the hallway and watched as her stepson walked to his class. When he was in front of his classroom door, she turned to leave, and that was the last time she saw him. Several witnesses came forward to say they saw Terry leave with Kyron, but there were no cameras in the school at the time, which just baffles me in 2010. Also, the science fair meant the school was basically open to the public. 
so there was no signing in. Visitors could just walk right in, and the school day was not set to start until around 10 a.m., so there was a lot of unknown faces moving in and around the school that day. So she leaves the school at 8.45, and between then and 10 a.m., she is known to have visited two grocery stores. She said she was picking up medicine for the baby, and the medicine had been called into the wrong store. So she traveled to the other store. Both stores are cooperating with the police and have handed over surveillance footage. She was seen by witnesses in the store with only her daughter. She even showed off the photo that she had taken earlier that morning of Chiron to one of the women she spoke to. So between 10.10 and 11.39 a.m., Terry claimed she was driving around on back roads to help soothe her baby daughter who was suffering with an ear infection. She claims that car rides helped lull the fussy baby to sleep, which that's, that's pretty standard, I guess. At 11.39, she checked into a 24-hour fitness center. She checked the baby into a daycare and then worked out for a while and checked out at 12.40. She then headed home and was posting on social media by 1.21. Gotta let everybody know about that workout. <laughs> Around 2, Kane arrives home and spends the rest of the evening working from home. The three of them walk to Kyron's bus stop at approximately 3.30. When Kyron doesn't get off the bus, the driver informs the parents that he never got on the bus. Kane calls the school and finds that Kyron was marked absent. A call to 911 was made by both the school and the parents. So it is normal policy that if a child doesn't show up for school, then the parent receives an automated phone call alerting them of the absence, like the one played at the beginning of the episode. This is in the hope of deterring situations like this very one. According to some reports, Terry had informed Kyron's teacher of an appointment he had for that Friday, but it was a miscommunication and the appointment was for the following week. So the argument was made that the teacher thought he went home with his mom that morning. A search was immediately launched around the school since it, you know, was very realistic that a child could get lost easily in such a large and dense forest. However, Kyron's family says he was very shy and I think it's not likely that he would have just wandered off alone. You know, when I was in Vegas, I noticed that all the elementary schools, especially elementary schools, were right smack dab in the middle of neighborhoods. Now this struck me as very odd being from the South because most of our schools are kind of tucked away. They're out on country roads or they're, they're surrounded by forest, a lot like this one, or they're just, they're kind of off by themselves a little bit into the, into the country, a little bit more spaced out. But in Vegas, they put all of their elementary schools right smack dab in the middle of neighborhoods. And I used to think, man, this is a traffic nightmare. All these people trying to come in and out of these neighborhoods, but you know what? It sure as hell beats some kid being taken from school with absolutely no witnesses. It's a lot harder to take a kid out of a busy neighborhood with people up and down sidewalks, cars coming in and out, um, people who work from home looking out their windows. You know, there's always something going on. Everyone has security cameras in front of their homes now. Uh, so it's a really smart move. It's very defensive in hindsight. I feel like if this school was in the middle of a neighborhood, there's no way whoever committed this crime gets away with it. Now, Kyron's biological mom, Desiree, says that one of his biggest fears was being lost and not being able to find his way home. Now, with that being said, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could have followed someone he trusted into the woods. Maybe a friend, a, a teacher, um, someone who he worked with at the school. Still not out of the realm of possibility. But the searches turned up nothing, and within days, the case shifted to a criminal investigation with police fully focused on a surprising suspect. But is it that surprising though? 
the stepmom, you guessed it, Terry Horman. They questioned Terry about her movement that morning, and it seems she couldn't really account for or was hiding what she was doing for 90 minutes after she claims to have left Kyron at school. Within a few weeks, police called Kane Horman in, claiming they had developments to share with him. Kane claims the police dropped a bombshell when they informed him of an alleged plot to have him killed set up by his own wife, Terry. What the hell? Like, your, your son goes missing and now you find out that your wife is trying to kill you. This does not look good with, for Terry, am I right? <laughs> so, a man who had worked at the Hormans as a landscaper six months prior to Kyron going missing claims that Terry approached him about killing her husband, Kane. There was never a case drawn up or charges pressed for any of this. And to this day, it still remains a topic of speculation. Kane Horman did move out of their house and he took their daughter with them. He was also granted an emergency restraining order and given custody of the baby. According to ABC News, the type of order he was granted is only granted in the state of Oregon if a specific example of immediate threat or danger can be presented. Eventually, Desiree Young would publicly appeal to Terry to come forward with the truth about what happened that day. Desiree is unable to pursue legal action against Terry at this time for fear that it could disrupt or interfere with ongoing investigation. Terry has had her share of run-ins with the law. Okay, this doesn't look good on her. Years prior, she had been arrested for drunk driving. She was charged with reckless endangerment because her older son was in the car. He was 11 at the time. Since Kyron went missing, she was arrested for stealing a gun from a roommate and then again for stealing a car. She had another boyfriend file for a restraining order against her, claiming she held a knife to his throat and threatened to kill him if he spoke to law enforcement. She was also under investigation for another supposed hire for murder plot from 30 years ago. She was out on a date with a guy named Sean Ray. The couple was sitting together in a park when a man jumped out of the bushes with a gun. Teresa jumps up and screams, he's here for you, and then runs off. <laughs> just imagine, you just picture that when, it, when I read it, I was like, he's here for you, peace, <laughs> just dips. You gotta be thinking no matter what happens after this. Okay, spoiler alert, he doesn't get killed. But how awkward is this relationship right, right now? <laughs> so the man with the gun ended up just turning around and leaving, and leaving Sean baffled about what happened. After being contacted by the police during the Horman investigation, Sean began to wonder if the same was true of the man in the park. Maybe she set it up. Though Terry has had her fair share of dealings with the police, they have never arrested her or named her a suspect in the Chiron Horman case. His case is still open and the family has narrowed their search grid to about 100 acres of the 5,200 acres of the forest. Desiree and Kane have been very vocal about their belief that Terry knows more than she's saying. But over the years, very little has been made public about what the police do or do not have against Terry. Desiree blames the lack and hesitation of action on the public shambles that was the Casey Anthony case. She says the police have evidence against Terry, but that they're trying to build a solid case. They don't want to make the same mistakes the prosecutors made in going after Casey Anthony with a bunch of circumstantial evidence. She claimed in a 2020 documentary on ID that they had in writing proof that Terry hated Kyron and quote, wished he would just die, end quote. None of this evidence has ever been made public since Kyron's case is still active and ongoing. The family speculates that Terry blamed Kyron for her son having to move out. 
There are also a lot of mentions of Chiron having some medical issues he was struggling with. There was rumors of everything from seizures to sexual abuse. There is so much speculation surrounding this case, it really becomes a rabbit hole the more you look into it. Does Terry seem like a person capable of making her stepson disappear? When you try to dissect how she pulled this off in a 90 minute window and somehow made the boy disappear off the face of the earth and set up multiple alibis, it seems unlikely. I'm not sure if I buy that she's capable of pulling all this off alone with a baby in tow, but when you look at her behavior, she does seem very callous and defensive. There's been speculation that she got help from a friend, but the avenue was investigated and yielded no new information. Her behavior since his disappearance hasn't really made her look any better. Getting arrested multiple times, allegedly assaulting someone, and threatening to kill them. I'm not really sold on the murder for hire scheme. The previous case happened over 30 years before and had really had never been reported. And the landscaper who alleged her plot to kill Kane did not speak very good English. Neither of these cases ever panned out. Although there was enough evidence to grant Kane custody of their child and an emergency restraining order. Now that seems to lend a lot of weight to the allegations being pretty serious against Terry. But the lack of evidence in this case is maddening. It's a back and forth of she did it, she didn't. It's written in black and white and still grayscale. I can't imagine how hard it is to lose a child, but to lose one to purgatory, to never know the truth, never able to rest or find peace is unfathomable. A yo-yo of hope and despair. Desiree and Kane are still organizing searches for Chiron around the area that they believe he may be in and are hopeful that soon a case will be going to court and justice will be done for Kyron. Kyron Horman was only seven years old when he went missing back in 2010. At the time of his disappearance, he was three foot eight inches tall and weighed 50 pounds. He has brown hair and blue eyes and very bad eyesight. He wears metal frame glasses. Anyone who knows of Kyron Horman's whereabouts should contact the Multnomah County Sheriff's Office tip line at 503-988 0560 or the FBI at 503-224-4181. All right, guys, there's the case of Chiron Horman. Those are the facts. I tried to stay as middle of the road as I possibly could with this mountain of freaking circumstantial evidence in my way. Right? How can you think that anybody pulled this off other than Terry? The 90 minutes unaccounted for. It's just like the Adnan Saeed case. That amount of time, what happened? You account for everything else. You seem like you left a trail everywhere else during your journey that day. Maybe even on purpose. Maybe you pre-planned this. She knew when the science fair was going to be. She knew it was going to be an open house, a come-and-go-as-you-please type situation. But, damn, it's, it, it's slim, right? There, there also is some other information, some other things that came out that I didn't put a whole lot of weight in, so they didn't make the, the initial information cut. But some witnesses said that they saw a white truck, and Terry happened to own a white pickup truck, and they saw this truck on one of the service roads um, that cut through the forest to the school and around the school. So that's that's kind of odd. 
And they, and, but it's just a witness statement again. And also, it was noted that the janitor at the school also drove a white pickup truck and frequently used these side roads. It's like for everything that you think you're like, okay, we got her on this. Then there's the, then there's another side of it though. It's like, oh well, it's really not that weird because of this, or it's really not that weird because it could have just been this. Like, for instance, when she goes driving around on rural roads for 90 minutes, definitely not to hide a body, um, but to soothe her daughter, that also makes sense. That does make sense. Why not? You have an hour and a half to kill. Why not go drive <laughs> No pun intended. Oh, I'm full of them today. But, yeah, my thought is Terry Terry did it, guys. I, I can't prove it, obviously. None of us can prove it right now. Um uh, and she's taken a lot of heat over this case. You know, she lost she lost custody of her daughter. Um, she's been on Dr. Phil. I watched a video of her on Dr. Phil where I didn't play any of the audio. For one, is I could get sued. I don't fucking know. You know, stamp Dr. Phil. Like, who knows what the hell. Um, but also, I didn't agree with it at all. Even if she is the killer and or might be the killer, the way that... They went about bringing up her past and these details, um, things that she did after the the event happened, after Kyron went missing. They focused a lot on that, and apparently at one point in time after that, she was sexting a man, like within a week of him disappearing. And Dr. Phil, you know, being the, the, the brilliant psychologist that he is, uh, thought that that was odd. He thought that that shouldn't be on your mind as if people don't have sexual urges, uh, even in trauma. Maybe they're, you know, I, I don't know. I, it just, the way that they did it, the way that they broadcasted her text messages up on a screen and read them in front of everybody, and the audience all snickered and covered their faces, and it just felt very middle school drama to me. Um, so that's another reason I didn't play the audio. If you want to go check that out, you can check it out. Google Dr. Phil, uh, Terry Horman, you know, you'll, you you guys will find it, but not really worth putting in the episode. I figured I would just tell you guys about it. So, but uh, yeah, so those are my thoughts, guys. Uh, yeah, if Terry didn't do it, who did it, right? So, with that, let's lead into the Lauren synopsis. Let's see what Lauren thinks. See you guys on the other side. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren synopsis. Breaking down the case like. Break it down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren synopsis. Break it down the case like. Break it down the case like cardboard boxes. What's up, people? Lauren here. Here to get my thoughts on this week's Strange and Unexplained. The disappearance of seven-year-old Kyron Horman, who went missing from Skyline Elementary School in Portland, Oregon, on June 4th, 2010. He had been brought to school that day by his stepmother, Terry, and was excited for school that day more than usual because he had a project to share at the science fair. Uh, He walked around the science fair with his stepmother and his baby sister um, before he was sent off to class by his stepmother. And she said she saw him heading towards class when she left the school. However, he never made it to class. He was never seen again. Um, and no one knows for certain what exactly happened to Chiron, if he's still alive or if, you know, someone abducted him, um, and, uh, dumped his body somewhere. Um, he's, his body's never been found. He's never been seen alive. 
Um, and there's a lot of things that point to the stepmother that, that, uh, look very suspicious on her part. That being said, this was, uh, an open school. There was no security cameras. Unfortunately, it was one of the few schools, even in this time, in least 2010, you would think that they would have cameras at that point. I know a lot of the schools I went to, I graduated four years before this happened and there was cameras all over my school at the time in 2006. Um, I think it's weird, but I, it's, it's kind of a, uh, a more rural area, uh, woodsy area, uh, outside of Portland where this school is. I'm sure they have cameras now. Um, but at the time, unfortunately they didn't. And this was, uh, this, this day with the science fair, things were open. There was, you know, people coming in and out of the school that day. It's possible someone snatched up Kyron. He also had terrible vision. If he would have lost his glasses, he would not have been able to see very well, it may have gotten lost, but as I mentioned briefly, Terry, the stepmother, looks very guilty. Uh, Terry Moulton, in my opinion, if I had to take a, an educated guess at what happened, I think she had uh, motive to kill young Kyron. It was said that she was not um, a big fan of this young boy. He was not her child. Um, this child belonged to Desiree Young and Kane Horman were the, the birth parents. Um, and Terry Moulton was the was dating Kane at the, at the time. Um, that was Kyron's father. Um, they had had a, an affair and played a role in breaking up the relationship of Kyron's, uh, parents when they were getting divorced. Um, and let's just go through some of the things that make her look guilty. In my opinion, um, she was the one that drove. She was the last one to see Kyron that day. She had driven him to school. Normally he rode the bus um, on this day of the science fair, that's a, I guess a good reason why she would drive him to school. Cause he had this big project that wouldn't fit on the bus necessarily. Um, but she did tell the school that he had a doctor's appointment that day, even though the doctor's appointment was actually a week later, that to me was odd. And it, it played a role in why there wasn't, um, a big alarm set off to the fact that Kyron didn't make it to class. Um, the teachers assumed that he had been taken to his doctor's appointment um, and that's why there was, you know, not a lot of concern for why he didn't show up to class. Um, that along with the fact that there were several witnesses that had seen, um, Terry walk out of school through the parking lot with young Kyron and, the and Kyron's baby sister and leave. She had a white truck. There was supposedly a white truck that was seen on a trail, um, not far from the school with two people in it, two adults. She had a friend named Dee Dee who, left suddenly, uh, that day, uh, was seen leaving abruptly from the house that she was at, um, I believe by a gardener or something. Um, and, and we returned a few hours later, they were known to use burner phones. Um, Dee Dee and, uh, Terry, they later got burner phones when, uh, the, there was a lot of police heat on them trying to, uh, get evidence regarding, uh, Kyron's disappearance. So I think that's possible because, you know, Dee, Dee they looked into the uh, phone records of, of Terry that day, and she never made a call to Dee, Dee on that day. So, if, you know, it's alleged that they got together and maybe did this crime or Dee, Dee showed up to help uh, get rid of young Kyron's body after uh, possibly Terry did something to him. Um, there would have been a phone call, but if they were keen to using burner phones, that would make sense, which burner phones were pretty popular at this time. Um, so that, that's a possibility. But like I said, she was seen leaving with Kyron. She can't explain that. Um, the doctor's appointment looks weird. 
90 minutes of her day on that day that Kyron disappeared after she dropped him off at school, supposedly was unaccounted for. She went here, she went there, she went to a dry cleaner, she went to the gym. Um, but there's still 90 minutes that was unaccounted for. She said she was driving around cause it soothed her baby. Um, not so sure I buy that. It seems very suspicious. Um, and as we mentioned, she did have uh, a motive. I think it was known that uh, Kyron was a strain on her relationship with Kyron's father, Kane. And being rid of him in her eyes, it seemed, would allow their uh, relationship to flourish. Um, she's been, she's had odd behavior. She failed a polygraph, which do with that what you will. Polygraphs are not admitted in court for a reason. Um, but it is notable that she was the only one that failed the polygraph test out of everybody. Uh, most of the family members were, were, uh, willing participants in the, uh, polygraph test and all passed except for her. Um, honestly, if I had to give an honest take, my opinion of what happened, I think she wanted to get rid of Chiron. I, I don't think she liked the young boy. Um, and I think she viewed him as, uh, something in her way, which, Things that got in, in Terry's way, um, she was known to have tried to have killed. Um, in 1990, she was alleged to have hired someone to try and kill her boyfriend. And then following the disappearance of young Chiron, it's alleged that she tried to have uh, Kane killed as well, which makes you wonder why would she try to have that done? Maybe because he knew something that uh, could get her locked up or he because he was pursuing her you know, uh, involving the disappearance of his son, but it's alleged that, uh, she had tried to hire a landscaper, Rodolfo Sanchez to, uh, offered him a lot of money to kill Kane. And it only fell apart when they brought along, uh, an undercover officer with their landscaper to kind of try and seal the deal, um, and had a wire on him on Rodolfo. And she, she kind of, her spidey senses tingled and she, she backed out of it, unfortunately, or else they would have had her behind bars for attempting to hire someone to kill uh, another person. So I think most people that really dig into this case come to the same conclusion. It's, it's hard to see another scenario in which Terry Moulton wasn't involved in this. She was there. The time between her sending him off to class, being at the science fair, sending him to class and him not making it to class how much could have happened in that? How could he have been taken out of there against his will and not have, you know, there? who could have done that that quickly without him being seen? There was witnesses seeing Terry taking Kyron out uh, through the parking lot, multiple witnesses, including a bus driver, a credible witness. I, I think it's obvious. I think Terry killed him. I think her friend, Dee Dee, possibly, allegedly may have helped her just, you know, um, dispose of young Kyron's body tragically. Um, and I think it's a matter of time before it's found because I don't know, they, they had limited time. They couldn't have, you know, disposed of them in such a way that it would never be found. You you know, there had to have been some sort of a shallow grave somewhere. Granted, it's a heavily wooded area in Portland, Oregon, but eventually I think Kyron's, uh, remains will be, will be found. Um, we get more and more technology in, in regards to finding, um, skeletons, uh, skeletal remains. Um, and eventually 
his body will be found and there will be closure hopefully and there will be enough evidence i think there's so much circumstantial evidence it's just a shame that there's not that one damning piece of physical evidence that can lock up terry but there's so there's all in my opinion almost enough circumstantial evidence to to convict her there's so much there's so much the eyewitnesses seeing her leaving with him um there's motive we have so much we know about her character you know trying to have people killed um i I don't know man it's 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 a shame i think she this woman killed this young boy and she's been walking free for all these years and hopefully hopefully something breaks and uh you know they're able to get her uh with damning evidence and lock her away that's my thoughts hope you guys enjoyed it see you next week All right, Lauren, thank you very much for that synopsis, sir. And I have to say that I agree with you. I do agree with you. I forgot about the burner phones thing. That's just more circumstantial evidence. You know, and a lot of people say, well, they weren't using burner phones until after the police start investigating them for privacy. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's suspicious. Like, what are you talking about? Who Who all has the burner phones? You know, does Terry's friend who was possibly involved in this have a burner phone did terry also terry also had a burner phone for sure you know kane who all who all involved i don't know maybe they were just trying to keep their information private because they knew they were being investigated by the fbi and i understand that i guess um but it's still suspicious still suspicious But anywho, that's where we're at with it, guys. Uh, I'd love to hear your opinions. You can hit me up on social media at SNU Podcast on Twitter or on Instagram or Strange and Unexplained on Facebook. Or a great way to contact me would be on Patreon, patreon.com slash SNU Podcast, where for just three bucks a month, you guys can get access to two extra shows that I do on Patreon, one being Strange Shorts, which some of them have been released here on the free platform, um, we do that show, me and my friend Andy, we do release that show every Monday, every single Monday. So if you'd like to hear all those strange shorts in between every fourth one that you're missing, check out patreon.com slash SNU podcast. We'll keep you update, up to date on all the, you know, funny, interesting and strange things in the crime world and just in the world in general, really. Uh, I'd like to give a big shout out, speaking of Patreon, to a couple of new patrons that we've gotten this week. One, Camelia Hernandez. Thank you very much for coming on the $5 level, so you'll also get access to not only uh, Strange Shorts and Higher Thoughts with Michael, but you'll also get access to Sandu Stories. Maybe my favorite thing about Strange and Unexplained. I love doing Sandu Stories. The last one was done, written and written and performed, produced by me, but written and performed by Andy from Strange Shorts, and I thought he did a fantastic job. Guys, please go check out, if if you're on Patreon already and you haven't checked out the Sandu Stories series, um, we just released Sandu Stories 9. We do those once a month, and they're only on the $5 tier on Patreon. If you haven't had a chance, guys, please check those out. It's worth the $5 to pay one time, listen to all of them, and then dip if you want. Um, but we really have a good time doing that show, and we put a lot of heart and a lot of work into it, though. But anyways, that's on the $5 tier as I mentioned. Also, I want to give another shout-out to Marion, the Artful Ginger, who also jumped on in the $5 tier. Right on. So appreciate you guys' support so much. Patreon is the wheels of this podcast. If you believe in what we're doing here at Strange and Unexplained, you like the show, and you want a lot more content, check it out. 
Another great way to help the show is leaving a review. Uh, you can leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen, and I'll try to get to them as as quickly as I can. Every week I try to check them. Uh, we got a new five star review this week from Mom Two Quads. Says Michael is such a talented artist. Oh well, thank you, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I appreciate all the reviews. If you just go and click five stars, guys, it helps the show a ton. It really lets people know that other people enjoy the show and that they might as well, right? So appreciate that, guys. Even if you can't leave a review, hit the follow button on Spotify. That also helps promote the show a lot, too. Um, things have changed. It used to be at the beginning of podcasting that reviews and uh, subscribers and downloads were what grew your podcast and got it featured on you know, uh, browse pages and for use. Now, the subscribers and the listens, that does still matter. But reviews, not so much. But we still like to we still like to get them, and it also helps people find the shows. But on Spotify, a great way you can help Strange and Unexplained and True Crime Guys um, is to follow those podcasts on Spotify. Um, just go to the main page, go to our main artist page, click follow, and that helps us a shit ton. You guys don't understand if we get a bunch of you guys that listen on Spotify. If you all follow, you know that can raise our rankings and then may possibly get us featured on you know true crime for you pages where we belong for the true crime listeners (laughs) but that's enough ranting guys um i appreciate listening and i appreciate you just listening and downloading and supporting the show in any way shape or form if you have a case suggestion email me at snupodcast at gmail.com or of course you can hit me up at social media at snupodcast all right Well, I'll see you guys uh, next week for another strange and unexplained case. All right? So be strange. Just don't be strange.